Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. Today we are speaking with a brand new regional coordinator. Chris McMullen comes to us with a wealth of experience and some very innovative ideas and she's already put them into practice. You're going to love learning about Chris, her background, her family, her very interesting childhood, but how she's applied all of that to So Powerful. So today we're very excited and happy to speak with Chris McMullen. Hi, Chris. How are you today? Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you. Thanks for such a nice introduction. <laughs> oh, you're more than welcome. We're very excited to talk with you and learn all about you. So where do you live? Where are we talking to you today from? I live in a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we're right in the middle of the United States. Not smack dab. There's a few miles to the west is the exact center of the continent, but we're a metropolitan area. Okay. And today it's sunny and hot and the way it's supposed to be in the summertime. Yeah, nice. And where are you from originally? Well, I was born in Nebraska, which is not far from Missouri. But my dad worked for a natural gas pipeline company. And so he was transferred quite a bit when I was a kid. So I've lived in the Midwest United States most of my life. And as a child, too. We lived in Nebraska and Iowa and Minnesota. All right. All the Midwest, Midwest states. Yeah. Yes, Midwest states. Well, and I'm originally from Missouri and I have family in Kansas City and I'm planning a trip to Kansas City around November and we plan to get together and meet in person. So this is very exciting. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So am I. Yeah, I thank you. So what was family life for you growing up, you made some moves. How did that affect you as a child? And did you have siblings? And what was that all like? I have one older brother. And yeah, it was hard to make the moves. But my mom and dad always made it made it work. And we had friends every place. And they especially kept contact with, with their friends as we moved around. I graduated from high school in Kansas. And I'd only been there two years. But it, it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. And so after high school, did you pursue a career or continue your education? What did you do? I went to college after high school and I got a degree in elementary education. Oh, nice. Teaching right away and and never stopped until a year ago. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So you were a teacher from the time you graduated from college to last year. Yeah. So if somebody were starting out in education now, how different is it for them versus when you first started out? What changes do you see? Well, I have kind of a different story because my very first year of teaching was in central Nebraska in a small country school. I was one of two teachers for grades kindergarten through eighth, and I had 14 fifth through eighth graders. And this is my first year of teaching. And I, you know, didn't know what I was doing, but it worked. In fact, I always say that those, I had six eighth grade girls out of 14 kids and they just led me along. You know, they helped me through everything because they've gone to school there their whole lives and they've been together. You know, it was before technology, everything was on the chalkboard or paper and pencil. And then of course, when I left my last two years of teaching, 
it's after COVID had hit and I spent teaching virtually. So there was a big change from the beginning to the end over those 42 oh. years. Oh my goodness. Now, was this original teaching job in like a one-room schoolhouse? It was a two-room schoolhouse. Wow. Oh my gosh. How interesting that you've spanned such a wide change in the approach to education. I changed sizes of school because my husband at the time was a teacher and a coach too. And we just kept moving up to a little bit bigger places, you know, as we got experience. And so I went from, you know, that tiny maybe 30 students in the entire school to, you know, a big suburban school when I retired from public school. Oh my goodness. My last 11 years after I retired from public, I spent in an Episcopal school, a private Episcopal school. Mm -hmm. So what is your perception of how your school aged children took to Zoom? How did they do? Well, I taught um, after after my first few years, I, I spent most of my career teaching middle school students. Oh, middle. Okay. You know, 12 to 14 year olds. They did fine. You know, they are so used to technology and have such ready access to it that, you know, being able to conduct the lessons, it was kind of hard at first, you know, those first couple of months, you know, getting assignments in electronically and all those kinds of things. But I know that over time, they pretty much figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, Well, my granddaughters did this last school year virtually, although I think they had some extracurricular activities they did in person, but they they loved it. They were having snacks on the side, which they, they normally wouldn't have had in school. So Chris, when did you learn to sew? Probably when I was in seventh grade, seventh grade, you know, in the sewing unit, we made an apron. Uh Uh-huh. I liked it. My mom always sewed and made all my clothes. And so I had that experience. But then I took all the home ed classes all the way through high school, learned how to make a coat in the final, you know, when I was probably a junior, we we tailored. And so then I've just been sewing ever since. And so did you continue to sew? Because I learned to sew and I sewed when I was young. And then when I had my kids and my job, I was busy. And then I sort of put it aside, but I've come back to it in the last few years. I've always sewn. My high school graduation gift was a sewing machine. Oh. And just uh, less than 10 years ago, I bought a new one. So I I sewed on that machine for 40 years, probably. But it went with me everywhere. It was with me in the college dorm. I sewed there and I sewed clothes for my daughters. I have two girls and made their clothes when they were little. And, you know, in the 80s, it was okay because it was puff sleeves and cute collars and gathers and all those kinds of things. But as they got older, they didn't want mom making their clothes. But yeah, so I, I kind of stopped that. When I went to college, somebody discovered an abandoned sewing machine in the attic of our dorm. And when people found out I could sew, and this was when mini skirts were getting shorter and shorter yeah. and shorter. So I became the alteration person. I made all my pin money <laughs> shortening skirts beyond what most of the mothers would have approved of. I think. <laughs> but anyway. they weren't around, so it was okay. <laughs> So you're in Missouri now in Kansas City, and you know, a lot of people know there's Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas, and I've been there many times, and it's just sort of an invisible state line that separates the two, isn't it? So what brought you to Missouri originally? Teaching jobs. Um, 
my my husband at the time had a college friend who was from Missouri and he was a teacher too and there was a position open and he called us and we didn't you know we just said sure let's go yeah All and right. then ever since <laughs> and, and when did you come to Missouri um 1980 1980 so you've you've been there a long time it must feel like home by now oh yeah yeah, yeah. and did you come to Kansas City originally no, we went to a small town in southern Missouri, but okay. we moved to the Kansas City area um, in 85, I believe it was, 1985. And, and yeah. we live in, in Blue Springs, Missouri. It's a suburb, but yeah, yeah. From the other. Yeah, yeah, cool. And do you have children and grandchildren? We do. My husband and I together have four kids. They're all grown. We're lucky they all live in the area. Oh, nice. And, and each of the four have children. We have seven grandchildren all together from 16. She just got her driver's license and the youngest is three. Wow. Wow. And so what kind of activities do you do with the grandchildren? Well, my six-year-old granddaughter, she's really excited because she likes to come to grandma's now. And so, of course, for the last many months, we weren't able to do that. Right. But I, the First time I had her over here after, you know, we had all had our vaccinations, she wanted to sew. So we made a little quilt for her dolls and, you know, I've sewn for her American Girl dolls, but we have a pool in our backyard. And so that's a big magnet in the summertime for everybody to come over. Oh, absolutely. And those Kansas City summers get hot, don't they? They do. do. And we were so lucky because Memorial Day, we had the entire family together for the first time and well over a year. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, that's fantastic. Why don't we take a quick break, Chris? And when we come back, let's talk about your involvement with So Powerful. Okay. Have you gotten the second edition of the We Are So Powerful book? This updated version of the original bestseller, 4.9 out of 5 stars, by the way, is again authored by So Powerful co-founders Jason and Cinnamon Miles. It is available on Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle reader. This latest edition is packed full of moving stories about how So Powerful came to be, the volunteers who make it happen, and the way this small movement has grown into a global mission to break the cycle of poverty through education and the dignity of work. And don't forget, when you place your order, if you use smile.amazon.com and designate So Powerful as your preferred charity, Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase right back to So Powerful. And now back to our podcast. Welcome back. We have been speaking with Chris McMullen, and she's been telling us about her family and her career as a teacher in both elementary and middle school. But as I mentioned in the intro, Chris is a relatively new regional coordinator for So Powerful, and I want to explore with Chris what led her to that role and how she's already started doing really great things in that job. So Chris, how did you hear about So Powerful originally? Well, like a lot of people, I was making clothes for American Girl dolls. 
for my granddaughters. I have two of them that, were, that, that both got American Girl dolls for Christmas. And I had some old patterns from when my daughters had their American Girl doll. Oh, nice. And then I found like some commercially made patterns that I had. And so I used those to make their Christmas doll clothes. But mm-hmm. after Christmas, I was like, oh, there's, you know, there's everything on the internet. So I got online and I started finding patterns and I ran across Pixie Fair. Mm-hmm. People have. And so I, you know, got some patterns there and made, and then I saw the tab, you know, the So Powerful Purse project and clicked on it and read about it and immediately got hooked. Mm-hmm. The purses is as, as I read the story, that was the age of girls that I taught for years and years and years. So I, you know, I really felt like I was really drawn to the project. And I had also been making bags, tote bags and zipper pouches and things like that for, for quite a while. Wow. This seems like a great fit for you. You know, it really is. In my last two years of teaching, I had a sewing elective. And so I was teaching about eight kids in my class at a time, but it was so much fun to watch these, you know, seventh and eighth graders get really excited about sewing. Wow. I wish I had seen the project before that because I would have loved to have had them make the purses. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, not many schools these days are offering home ec or sewing. And so what a blessing to be able to teach that. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Well, and I don't know if this is a recent connection or if you knew about them all along, but there's an organization called the Sewing Lab in Kansas City. Tell us about the Sewing Lab, and then we'll find out what they're doing with us in the So Powerful Arena. Okay. Well, I had never heard of it, but around Christmas time, there was a news story on TV about the Sewing Lab that had bags that they were giving to the homeless And they were, another company had printed them, but they needed people to sew them. And I thought, this is easy. I can do that. So I went down to the lab, you know, found out where it was, checked all that out and got packets of 10, sewed them up. And then as I got to looking at their website and talking to people, they needed volunteers to help sew. But what their program is, is they teach people how to sew, um, encouraging job growth. And they work with with companies in the Kansas City area, too, who need people to sew. Uh And a lot of the students are recent immigrants to the United States. They work with an organization, you know, helping to teach English. And it's just a really, really incredible program. I've been really impressed with it. And it's a nonprofit, is that correct? Yes, Yes, absolutely. Sorry, it's a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And how are they funded? Um, a lot of it is donation. Mm-hmm. Um, to, we had our first fundraiser in May. And, you know, of course, wanting financial donations and, but it, it also got the word out. Mm-hmm. They also work with women to start their own businesses, entrepreneurship. Wow. Wow. If you're in the Kansas City area and you know how to sew, it sounds like you should make a connection with the sewing lab. They're great. It, so after you volunteered on this project around Christmas time, I understand you were talking to them and you told them you could sew. And now all of a sudden you're no longer a retired teacher. <laughs> you're teaching again, aren't you? I am. I am. They had a program, a fabric grab. I think it was probably about April. 
And I volunteered for that. And I hadn't really done anything, but I signed up to volunteer and I went down. And as I was talking to the volunteer coordinator, I said, you know, I'll do anything. What do you need? She goes, what we really need are teachers, people who can do a class. I said, well, what do you need? And I actually had one of my so powerful purses with me. And she pointed that, she goes, that would be something great to make, to teach. And then it just went from there. I explained to her about the So Powerful program. And, you know, and once they learned about that, it was like they were all in in support of So Powerful. Oh, my gosh, that is fantastic. And so how many classes have you taught or tell us a little bit about about that, how it works? I've only taught one class. And, you know, they all donated their purses to So Powerful. And I think most of them are going to be making more, hopefully. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm teaching another one in a couple of weeks for them. But this past week, I took a group of my friends down. And we went in there and sewed, used their machines and everything, and made purses for, for So Powerful. Okay. And I understand that the Sewing Lab recently made a donation in kind to So Powerful. Tell us about that. Well, I was, I was down there one day just doing some volunteer work and the director had a trash bag, just a big black trash bag full of, of fabric. And it said so powerful on She said, somebody donated all this and it's just small pieces. They're really too small to put on our shelves, but I think they'd be great for the purse project. And they are, it's just wonderful. Well, and you posted a photo of that on the So Powerful Purse Project group. And I mean, the fabrics look fantastic. They're so much fun. I mean, it was it was just a stash, I think, that someone had had in their closet for a long time, probably. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I pulled it all out, sat on the floor and sorted the colors. And I think we'll get good use out of it. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're about to teach another class. And do they complete the purse? in the class or is it more than one session? No, they can complete it in one class because I have the kits made. I already have them cut out and uh-huh. interface fabric needs it. Well, that's nice. And so what is the age group of the, the attendees in this class? Is it young people or adults or, or who, do, who comes? Mostly adults. Mostly, mostly most of them are retired age because that's what most of the volunteers are there uh-huh. because they're the ones who have the time. Sure, yeah passion to do it. So. Oh, oh, well, that's wonderful. And I sent you some materials. Were you able to distribute those as part of the class? Yes, I give those out with the class. And then with the fundraiser, that they, had, they had a swag bag. And we got to put one of the so powerful cards in each one of the bags and advertise the class that I'm doing on the 18th. Oh so we've got over 100 people now have notification of so powerful. And I'm hoping that at least some of them will go to the website and learn more about the, the organization and the project. Oh my gosh, Chris, that's wonderful. And I mean, for a new regional coordinator to be so passionate and so involved with so powerful already, that's just phenomenal. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. And I've been, you know, very pleased with the reception from the coordinators at, at the sewing labs. They're just, that's just what they're, they're like. And I, I, feel so, so blessed to be part of it. And so powerful project. Well, and so you are the regional coordinator. Let's clarify this a little bit for the greater Kansas city area. And so we sort of talked about that before. So that's, if you live in the Kansas side or the Missouri side, you can, you know, find Chris and the sewing lab, but 
You're actually also the regional coordinator for all of Missouri, and we're going to try and hook you up with some people in different parts, but you mentioned something about the Missouri Star Quilting Company. Do you have connections there? Tell us about that. I don't have any connections, but it's not far from us, and I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I would really love to get them involved or at least aware of So Powerful Project. So any hint you have would be very much welcomed. (laughs) Well, honestly, we would love to have Missouri Star Quilt Company involved, but we don't have any connections there. So it's on your plate. (laughs) Well, um, I'll work on it. My husband does have a high school classmate who used to work there. And she said she'd meet us in Hamilton sometime this summer. Oh, nice. How so, fun. I don't know if she'll be able to introduce me to somebody that might have some influence, but I'm wow. hoping. Yeah, that would be great. Don't forget to wear your So Powerful oh, purse when you go. I will. I will. And they also support the sewing labs. Oh. The company does too. So I think maybe if I use both of those connections. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Wow. Well, you know, if you're a regional coordinator listening, um, Boy, Chris has really done some great things, and hopefully that gives us all some ideas of what we can do in our local communities. Chris, can we talk a little bit about your faith? Can you tell us how is your faith important to you, and how does that relate to what you're doing and volunteering for So Powerful? You know, I've I've always gone to church, and, you know, like a lot of people, had ups and downs with and things like that, but during this whole pandemic, It's been an emotional ride. I mean, between ending my career and my mom passed away during this, and it was after mom passed away and I needed something to do. And this, this all came together just right. I mean, I just feel like I really do feel God's hand in was so powerful and the sewing labs and giving me passion for something that I love to do. I mean, I already had the passion for sewing, but now I really feel like there's a use for it. That's great. I I just feel blessed by it. And by all of you that I'm meeting. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, I'm retired and a little older than you, and I never expected in my retirement to be making such good friends and to find people that I have so much in common with, but A, thanks to technology and B, thanks to So Powerful, Uh all of that is happening. It just makes for a very rewarding retirement. Yeah. So anyway. And then when I see what it's doing for the girls in Zambia. Yeah. I think what really clinched it was watching one of the purse distribution videos. Mm -hmm. And the excitement from the girls and what they said about being able to stay in school and really seeing someone, you know, you hear about them not being able to go to school and all that kind of stuff, but, but for individual girls to talk about it and say how, how much better they feel about it and how they can stay in school, that's real. Yeah, yeah. And to put a face with somebody holding a purse saying this is right. gonna change my life. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, it's been delightful to spend this half hour with you, and I look forward to meeting you in person in a few months, and I'm sure our listeners will be really interested in what you had to say here and the inspiration that you're giving us as different ways that we can introduce So Powerful in our local communities. So thank you for your time. 
Well, and thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L dot O-R-G. The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another So Powerful story. Thanks for listening. Now, go out and have a so powerful day.